And if our calendar is right, we only have nine more Sundays in the theater. Now, some of you are really sad about that because you know that the seats aren't going to be as good. They're not going to have cup holders, and it's not going to be this dark, so you can't sleep, right? But uh, it's exciting to see what's going on over there. The, uh, this week, I got a call from Ben, and he said, hey, we're really a little short of uh, help over here. It was about 7, 7.30 in the morning, and I said, what do you need? They said, we need shovelers. And so I went over and shoveled dirt. And I understand that parable now in Scripture where it says the unrighteous steward where he said, uh, I'm too old to dig dirt and I'm too proud to beg. And uh, so I'm over there digging and I'm living it and I'm thinking, Steve, I'm looking over at Steve and I said, Steve, how do we get out of this? He says, you don't. As long as Milt's around here, you can't get out of anything. <laughs> and Milt just kind of walks around with a little bit of swag going, yeah, yeah, just keep working. It'll come, it'll, you'll be done in no time at all. And when you guys are done with this, the job will be over. And then I'm looking around, I said, is he telling the truth? He says, no, he'll have another job for us. But it's part of what God's doing at Influence to, uh, to really bring about some great changes. So we, uh, in terms of that building, it's exciting to see God really working through uh, this church to transform that building into a place where God is going to be worshipped and honored and glorified, and already we're seeing this irresistible attraction by the Spirit of God bringing people in through those doors, and we met several new people who will be here uh, at our service tonight to kind of look and see what's going on. And so God is doing some great stuff. We've got to pray with people, bless people. And if you want to be a part of it, you should be up there doing something. You can sit at the booth and greet people. Ladies, you can bring meals for about eight to 10 workers every day that'll be up there. There's just a lot of things to do. And we want you to be a part of that because if you don't, you're going to kind of walk and go, this is really nice, but you won't get the flavor of it. And then tonight, we're going to take you on a tour through the building. So we're going to open it up inside. We're going to walk you through. You're going to see a lot of the walls are up. The coffee shop's walls are all in place. Uh, you're going to get to see uh, kind of the parameters of the worship center. And it'll be a really great time for you to be a part of what God is doing. I was studying uh, uh, several months back, getting ready for this series, and I came to the book of Joshua. And in Joshua chapter 6, we know that story because it's all about uh, the stories that we hear when we were kids, about Joshua marching around the walls of Jericho and the walls falling down, and we go, that's really cute. That's really a cool story. Forgetting that it's our story. It's a story about circling places and claiming them for Jesus Christ. You know what, what happens in chapter 6, we're going to read about in a moment, but what happens in chapter 5 is really significant. Because what happens in chapter 5 is there is this uh, angel of the Lord who shows up. Joshua's a little bit taken back. This doesn't look like your average soldier. And this is the word that, that we read in Scripture in Joshua 5.13. It came to pass... When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and a man stood opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. Joshua went to him and said, are you for us? Are you for our adversaries? How many times do you ask those kind of questions? Are you on my side or are you on their side? Are you for me? you against me? How many times have you wondered about somebody's loyalty or love? And I love the way this 
angel of the Lord responded. He said, neither, neither. But as the captain of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And it says, Joshua fell to his face on the earth and worshiped and said unto him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the truth is this. He didn't come to take sides. He came to take over. And I want you to know today that God doesn't come to take up your cause, to take up a side. He came to take over your life. He came to be the Lord and the only God of your life. And every other thing that comes into your life that even tries to get that kind of attention, the Bible calls an idol. It's not worthy of your attention. And until you're fully devoted to Jesus Christ, until you're committed to the cause of Christ, you don't really see the fullness of the power of what God is doing. Several months back, in fact, it was last year, we coined this phrase. It's become a little bit familiar to some of us. It goes like this. You can be in the middle of a miracle and not know it. I was standing on the back loading dock of that of that new building we have, and we have an 18-wheel trailer that was donated to us, and I was standing there just talking to some of the guys, and one of the guys looked at me and said, you know, we really are in a miracle. To be 18 months into this building is a miracle of God. And sometimes I've got to admit, I, I forget what a miracle it is. Because I'm so caught up in day-to-day ministering to people and teaching the Word of God and, and raising money and building buildings and trying to be here and be there all at the same time, I, I forget about all that God has done. And while 18 months is not very long, we packed in a lot of stuff in 18 months, a lot of energy, a lot of prayers, a lot of fasting. How many of you are ready to go back on the fast? Some of you look a lot trimmer, a lot better. You fit in the seats a lot better. It wasn't a good move on your part to fast. Here's the other thing I want you to understand. God honors the circles you draw. If you draw a circle around your children and begin to pray, God will honor that. You draw a circle around your community, God will honor that. You draw a circle around your personal life, God will honor that. God honors the one who honors him. Now let me take you from chapter 5 of Joshua, chapter 6, pick up the story in verse 1. Remember, they've already gone into the land, they've spied out the land, they've checked it all out, and now it's time to take the city. This will be the first fortified city they will take. They've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Can you imagine that? Can't find their way. 40 years. It's like being on the 91 freeway. And here they are trying to figure out where to go next. Do you realize that when they crossed over the Jordan, the manna from heaven stopped? God stopped supplying that resource, and he gave them opportunity. And a lot of the things that God does in our life is he transitions us from one level of spirituality to the next, and that's called maturity. And as God takes you to the next level, it's a whole new level of faith that he wants you to understand and wants you to walk in. It says, now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. When they heard that Israel was in the land, when they were surrounding their building and they were encamped against them, they locked down all of that fortress city. That fortress city that would reach back thousands of years, it's set on seven acres of land, which doesn't sound like a lot in our world, but it was a lot in that day. 
And this fortress was fortified. It had been the place of many battles. It had built itself up because the invaders would come in and destroy it, and they would build it up, and it would get higher and higher. And so it was a tall fortress city, armed men all around the outskirts of that. And it says they had heard about what Israel had done in Egypt. News from Egypt had spread how they'd crossed the Red Sea, how they'd brought plagues, and, and how God had worked in the midst of, their, of their, tri- their tribe, their camp. And it says, none went out, none came back in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. And if I'm Joshua, I'm thinking, what are you talking about? I don't see anything right now. They've just done lockdown." They probably got food and water. They can stay a long time. And he says, no, I've given it to you. You know, when God gives you something, take it. Amen? Well, I'm not really sure if God's going to do that. No, take it. God says, here it is, then take it. In your heart right now, you need to say, God, I want to take all you've given me. Everything you've blessed me with, every promise you've given me, I want to take it. He says, I've given it into your hand. It's King and its mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war, you shall go around the city once, this you shall do for six days, and then the seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark, but on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets, and Joshua's going, right. Are you serious? This is a bad strategy for war. But remember, they're not warriors. They're slaves. They've been slaves for 40 years. They know nothing about battle, really, when it comes down to it. He says, you want me, I can just almost play this out in my mind, you want me just to walk around this city six time, or se- one time each day for six days, and on the seventh day, march around it seven times, so 13 times I'm going to go around this building, and then what's going to happen? You ever notice how God sometimes will tell you something that seems to not make sense? He'll lead you in a way and go, God, are you sure about this? Are you sure that this is what you want to do? And God has a strategy in mind. Look what it says here, verse 5. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast on the ram's horn and when you hear the sound of the trumpet that all the people shall shout a great shout and the wall of the city shall fall flat. I'm thinking, no. That won't happen, God. Are you sure? Are you sure this is what's going to happen? And the people shall go up every man straight before him. And Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant, which was the symbol of the presence of God. Take the presence of God and let it go before us. Allow God to go before you in everything you do. Are you in school? You at work? You're in your community, wherever you go, say, God, you've got to go before me. Your presence must precede me. And it says, take up the Ark of the Covenant. Let the seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said unto the, to the people, proceed, march around the city, and let who is armed advance before the Ark of the Lord. So it was. When Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets, the ram's horns before the Lord advanced, they blew the trumpets, the ark of the come the Lord followed them, and the armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came up after the ark while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. What a sight this was. What a sight it was. 
And Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I tell you shout, then you shall shout. Now, you, can you imagine this scene? You've got somewhere around 40,000 men plus marching around a seven-acre plot, not saying a word. That's why God called men to do this and not women. The women couldn't have kept quiet. They said, "What? did you hear what happened over there? Do you know what's been going on in her life? I can't believe it. You know, i got to tell you about my nails. The guys say, yeah, we're good. We don't need to talk. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. You can take a long road trip with your husband, right? And he's fine not saying a word the whole time. And you're looking at him like going, what are you doing? Why don't we talk? We need to communicate. We need to bond. We need to come together in a moment like this. He's thinking, I just like in the quiet. This is just really good stuff for guys. And women just don't understand that. So God, God had a little wisdom here. He said, send the man in. They won't talk. It'll be fine. It'll all be good. Joshua rose early in the morning. The priests took up the ark of the Lord and the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets. Here they go. They're going out, blowing the trumpets. Verse 14, and the second day they marched around the city once, returned to the camp. They did it for six days. But it came to pass on the seventh day they rose early about the dawning of the day. They marched around the city seven times in the same manner. And on that day they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened when the priests blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord has given you the city. And you know the the rest of the story. The wall falls down. They go in. They take the entire city except for Rahab, the harlot, and her family. More about that later. But here's the truth I want you to put your arms around. Walls must give way to advance the kingdom of God. What walls do you have in your life right now that are standing in the way of the kingdom of God? Fear? Lack of faith, lack of commitment, hurt, pain. All those things get in the way of the kingdom of God. You can't hold on to that kind of stuff and expect to see God work in your life. I think the interesting thing about this, this whole story is silence. The silence was deafening. You ever notice that when you start trusting God for something, he isn't talking. He's quiet. God, where are you? I've asked you. I've expected you. I've done this, this, and this. And God just seems to be quiet. It's in the quietness of those moments that he's stretching your faith. He's pushing you to a new level of spiritual understanding and awareness of what he's up to. All the enemy heard was the shuffling feet of what sounded like a million men. Day after day, they marched in silence. Every man's eyes trained on the man in front of him, not saying a word. It was eerie. It was disturbing. It probably aggravated all those soldiers inside the walls of Jericho. Unlike anything they'd ever seen in their life, a million thoughts crossed their mind as the inhabitants uh, of that walled city. Was this a trick, they wondered? Were they all crazy? Had they been in the desert too long? No one knew, and that's what bothered them the most. 
Have you ever noticed what bothers you most about what God's up to is he doesn't tell you in advance anything? He just waits. And I don't know about you, but he always waits to the last possible second to show himself to me. I'm going, God, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, and I've got this deadline. And God goes, I know, I'm aware of the deadline, and I'll, I'll get to you later. And I don't know at the time, because I don't like it. I don't know at the time that that's how God makes me bigger on the inside. Because he's not concerned about answering all my questions. He's concerned about me being like him, about the spiritual development and growth. The unknown, it was bothering the, the, the inhabitants inside that city. The uncertain, the unexpected, it was all there. But it was faith that God was interested in. For Israel, only one thing was important, faith. For you, only one thing is really important. If you have faith, you have everything you need. You don't need anything else. Circling the city seemed normal. After all, they had wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Around and around, they were experienced circlers. We want you to be experienced circlers. As we begin to circle our city and our communities and wherever you live, you can circle that area and say, hey, this is my area. I'm going to begin to circle. I'm going to begin to pray for people. I'm going to begin to look into those doors, and I'm going to see the hurt and the pain and the struggle that goes on every day in people's lives. And I'm going to pray. I'm going to send prayers into that household because we want to see God move in all of our communities. Amen. We want to see a transformation of our communities and our nation for the glory of God. But what's in the way? It doesn't matter how strong the enemy is. God is stronger. Would you say that with me? God is stronger. I don't care how big your enemy is. God is stronger. You say, well, I've got this going on. But God is stronger. God is stronger than every thought that come up against you, every enemy that comes up against you. The enemy will try to negotiate with you, and he'll try to convince you that you, can't, that you can coexist with him. He'll take that sin that's inside of you, that thing you love and you don't disclose to anybody, he'll take that and say, you know, you can do this and love Jesus too. And he'll convince you that that's true. He'll get you to believe that lie. But Jesus demonstrated on the cross how sin must be dealt with. It must die. You can't kind of follow God. God is looking for people who are sold out, who are committed to following Jesus Christ. And every time you say that Jesus Christ in your life is my Lord and my Savior, it strengthens your stamina. When you follow Jesus, I mean really follow him, no one can bring you down. Ever had anybody bring you down? You're doing really good and somebody says something, you bring you down. Well, you know all that tells you is you've got to up the level of commitment to Jesus. I get people bring me down all the time. I get 99 people tell me wonderful things, good, encouraging words. One guy tells me something, I'm going, I'm down in the basement digging holes. Why do I feel that way? Because I live on this, 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 this little platform of needing to be affirmed. And God says, you know, I know you need that, and that's a good thing, and people should do that, but you can't depend on people for that. You've got to depend on me. You've got you to have a God dependency. No one can bring you down or control you, manipulate you. You have one God, and he doesn't recognize imposters. You see, walls are designed to bring out bold, audacious faith. If there wasn't a wall there, nobody would have had any faith for anything. 
Oh, what's the big deal? We'll just go in there. Jericho's not a fortified city. There's no really anything to go. No, walls are designed by God to bring out audacious faith. Your difficulties, your problems, they're there by God. Jesus said, oh, if you say to that mountain, and I'm saying to Jesus, why'd you put the mountain there? Speak to the mountain. It'll pick up. It'll be moved into the sea. Well, why don't we just go around the mountain? No, because it's not about moving mountains. It's about moving your faith to a new level. Nothing feels better than exercising great faith in the midst of an impossible situation. This church was birthed on the impossible. It is part of our DNA. I pray that there's never a time when we are not struggling to take the next hill. Getting in the building, that's not our goal. That's just a step in the journey. Our goal is to change the world one life at a time to change your family and your family's family and your neighbors and your friends and to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ and transformed by his power so that when people lay in bed and they cry because they're brokenhearted, they got someone to talk to. They got Jesus to talk to. Can you imagine living in a world without Jesus? Not knowing if he here, if he's there, if he's listening, if anything's going on. I was reading in the, about the Great Welch Revival and a commentary on that, what happened in Wales in 1904, Lou Engel wrote these words. He says, when heaven is open, there is an overpowering awareness of the presence of God, either in a personal experience or in such a powerful way that the entire geographic areas are affected by a sense of awe. The results of this open heaven are witnessed on earth as revival when large numbers of people seem to fall into the kingdom. I'm seeing people fall into the kingdom. I'm surprised people coming up talking to us and say, I, I haven't been in church in 20 years. I'm coming here. Why would they say that? I've never had people say that to me. I've been looking for a church, and I've been looking for God, and I'm lonely, and I'm single, and I'm this, and I'm that, and I'm going, really? It's coming up to me and everybody, not just me, not because they know I'm the pastor. It's come up and talk to people, workers. We're trying to direct him and keep the work going, keep the ministry going. And I realize it's like Nehemiah. He had, a, he had the sword in one hand and a hammer in the other, and the sword is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. God wants us to do both. He goes on to say the results of this open heaven are witness on earth as revival when large numbers of people come into the kingdom being drawn by an irresistible hunger. Questions of eternity and salvation seem to be on everyone's mind. That's what we want. God opened the heaven. I want you to see a second thing. The enemy assumes you will quit. You know why? Because he's seen you quit before. You've got a pattern of quitting and saying, oh, well, I tried that. I have people all the time say, say something like this to me. Well, you know, I, I prayed once and nothing happened. Oh, really? Well, that's the formula for spiritual success? I prayed once and nothing happened. You see, if you've got a pattern of not staying with your commitment you make before God, don't be surprised if you don't see heavens open up. I want you to just think about, about Israel now on those seven days. What happens on day one, and I'm thinking about the guys inside the camp now, not Israel, but the guys that are watching, and these soldiers, these trained men, day one companies, what are they thinking? You know, and they look out there, and here these guys are going around like this. Oh, we're getting ready for the attack. This is going to be good. We're in a high position. We're going to take them out one at a time, but they're just a little bit too far for our archers, so we've got to wait. Day two, talk in the ranks. Maybe they're afraid. 
Yeah, they're afraid of us. They've seen us. Look at us. We're, we're really mighty men standing up on this wall. Day three, the taunting begins. Hey, hey, you Jews, what are you going to do with us, huh? Come and get us. Come and get us. And they're taunting, calling them names, calling them names. It doesn't sound like what the enemy does to you. Day four, this is boring. Are you kidding me? They're walking around in circles again. I'm so sick of these guys. I just wish I could put my hands around one of their necks. I would take them down right now. Day four, anger, frustration. Day five, anger, frustration. Man, I am so mad. Man, I'm, man, I'm, and they start fighting among themselves. They just got to get it out. You know, guys like to do that. They don't have to fight with somebody because they're mad. They just like to fight. A couple of guys are getting in a fist fight up on the wall. Day six, they put their weapons down. Oh, this isn't even going to happen. I'm not going to stand here with my sword. I'm not going to stand here with my javelin. I'm not going to stand here with anything. I'm just going to, are you kidding me? Here we go again. They're going to do this for how many days? Day seven comes. Oh, here they come again. Wait, wait. Hey, everybody, come back up here. Something's going on. They're going around again. Second time. Here comes third time. They're doing, what are those crazy Jews doing now? It's like when people, what are those crazy Christians doing now? Sixth time. Here we go again. They're, they're, I'm, I don't know. Seventh time. And now all of a sudden the shout, the trumpets, and the walls fall down. See, walls are meant to come down. General Patton said, a fixed fortress is a monument to the futility of man. Whatever man can build, man can bring down. And I'm telling you what man can build, God easily brings down. I don't know how many of you watched. I watched, I listened to it over and over again, the story of Antoinette Tuff, the bookkeeper at the school in Decatur, Georgia, as she was in communique with a 911 operator and a gunman in a school that had over 800 children. She talked about her struggles to this man. She told him about her husband of 30-plus years leaving her, of having a son multiply disabled. She tried to take her own life. She was so and so discouraged. She reassured him everything was going to be okay. There's something divine. There's something that comes through that tape, and I want you to listen to that 911 call. Let's show the clip. Okay, he said the gun may come back and say it's stolen, but it's not. He knows the whole story about the gun, and he'll let you all know that. Okay. Do y'all want him to take his belt off? That's fine. Just take all his weapons off. Okay, she said that's fine. Take all your weapons off. Your... He, she said you don't have no more weapons. Okay. Okay. So you going Okay, he on the ground now with his hands behind the back. Tell the officers don't come in with any gun, no come in shooting or anything, so they can come on in and I'll buzz them in. Okay. So hold on, just sit right there and I'm gonna buzz them in, okay? So you'll know when they coming, okay? Okay. So just stay there calm, don't worry about it. I'm gonna sit right here so they'll see that you try not to harm me, okay? Okay. Okay. It's going to be all right, sweetie. I just want you to know that I love you, though, okay? And I'm proud of you. That's a good thing that you've just given up, and don't worry about it. We all go through something in life. 
No, you don't want that. You're going to be okay. I don't know how that leaves you, but when she said, I love you, sweetie. We're going to be okay. She identified with him. She said, we're going to get out of this. She really cared. And you know what? He knew it. The most interesting thing were the commentators afterwards trying to say how what a great job she did with psychology. When you read her story, you find out had nothing to do with that. Her account was she, her husband that she had known since she was 13 had left her. 33 years they'd been married, he left her. She was ready to take her own life. She attempted suicide. And the account that's not on national news is the account you get when you look a little bit deeper and you see the transcripts of her account and she said, I learned how to talk to people from my pastor. He told me how to listen to people like Jesus listened to people. Listen to what she says, and I quote, I realized at the time it was bigger than me. He was a really hurting young man, so I just started praying. Praying for him, I just started talking to him and allowing him to know that some of my life stories and what was going on with me and that it was going to be okay and that he could just give himself up. When I heard that story, I mean, I was moved to tears. When revival comes, it will come by way of people who really care for people. won't come by people who just show up at church for an hour or so and go home and go back through the routine. It's really reaching out. It's what Jesus did. She reached out to him in love, and we're asking you to reach out to people in love. In Isaiah 43, he tells us, God reminds us, you're going to go through some deep waters. Fear not, he says, I have redeemed you, and I have called you by your name. See, God knows your name. You are mine, and when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Let me show you this. A broken wall is an open door. When you see a wall come down in your life, it's an open door for God to do something fresh. When you see, when you see walls begin to crumble in a person's life, when you see that little, that, little, that little ray of hope, when people start to talk to you about stuff that really matters... See, that battle that we read about was unique. It was a heavenly, the heavenly powers were, were assembled before the battle ever began. Before Israel ever marched around the city the first time, God had dispatched his captain in the spiritual realm. And I want you to know, in every battle you're going to face today and the rest of your life, God has dispatched an angel. In Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 14, it says that angels are ministering spirits sent to minister for those who will inherit salvation. They're out there for you. You see, there had been a signal that had gone out into the land. The news of what had happened in Egypt has spread throughout the land just as the news begins to spread. It was at Starbucks the other day. Nobody knew who I was, and I heard people talking about this church that bought this post office. I didn't even want to get involved. I just wanted to see what was going to happen next. Can you believe that? That's really neat. They're going on, and I'm thinking, wow, this is spreading. This news is out there. 
those hundreds of people that come to that post office every day, they're wondering what is going on. What is going on? When we put that coffee shop in and we're going to have free coffee Friday, when you drive through, there's going to be a sign that you've got to kind of drive around and just point you right back there. We're going to have people back in that coffee shop ready to minister to people. We're going to send a signal. Psalm 135 says, Your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your fame, O Lord, throughout all generations. Mark chapter 1, 28 says, And immediately his fame spread, that is Jesus, throughout all the region of the Galilee. That's what we want to do, spread the fame of Jesus. Mark chapter 4 and verse 24, Then his fame went throughout all of Syria, and they brought him all the sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed and epileptics and, and paralytics, and he healed them all. Those scriptures became the foundation for our mission statement that says to influence the world and spread God's fame that many may believe he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know who made it out of Jericho? The most unlikely person, Rahab the harlot. They went in there. She became. She helped the spies. She was, she was accustomed to men coming at her door late at night, knocking, looking for something besides advice. She welcomed them in, and when, they, when she realized these were the Israelites, fear went through her body. She said, the whole land is on alert. We've heard about your God and what your God has done. And she helped them. And she believed in their God. And they said to her, when we come back to take this, you put a scarlet thread outside your window. Wouldn't have been uncommon for a harlot to do that. That was very common. Identify her as a place where men could have their lust satisfied. No one took notice of it, except Israel when they came in and they rescued her and her family. That symbol, that scarlet thread was a symbol of her faith. And I want you to know when you walk around your communities, when you walk through the neighborhoods, when you walk through the mall, there is a scarlet thread that hangs from the windows of the homes you will circle. Homes filled with people who are waiting for you to provide a compelling testimony of what God has done in your life. You don't have to answer all their questions. You just have to know God saved you, God loves you, and God changed you. You'll see homes that are filled with people who long for someone just to pray for them, to call on the God of heaven to speak to them in their darkest moments and know that God cares. Our little question booth there that where we get questions answered it has become a confession stand. People come up and confess their sins. It's amazing to me. They've come up for therapy. They just want to know, can you tell me some advice? I'm this, I'm going through this, I'm going through that. Some come actually for legitimate questions. Most don't come for that. They're looking for someone to speak to their heart. Those are divine appointments that God has arranged for you. There is an irresistible attraction given to those who are led by the Spirit of God. Jericho is important in the biblical narrative because it was a thousand years later that Jesus was passing through Jericho. It's recorded for us in Luke 18. And all of a sudden, Jesus is walking along and he hears this word, Jesus, son of David. By saying son of David, he knew he was the promised Messiah. He asked him, he said to the blind man, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, 
that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive your sight, your faith has made you whole. And he leaped and jumped and gave glory to God. You see, where's your Jericho? Where's the place that blind are set are seated? And where's the place where the sick are seated? Where are the hurting and the people that are going through tragedies? Your faith can make you well, he told that blind man. I want you to know that it all starts with your personal salvation, your decision to follow Jesus Christ with all your heart. Have you made that decision for Christ? Have you said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I love you. I believe you died, buried, were buried, and rose from the dead to give me eternal life. And that decision to follow you, God, happened that day. And I have let back on some of my decision. And I've let some of the victory fall away. And, and I'm not following as closely as I should. But God, I want to. And I want to, I want to get back in touch with you. And if that's your heart cry today, we want you to do that. We want you to be the powerful church that you can be for the glory of God. I want you to stand with me. We're going to do a victory declaration this morning. I'm going to ask you just to read this with me as we read out loud. And if you believe it, you read it. If you don't believe it, you don't have to read it. But there's something about a positive confession before God among men that changes the way we think. Read this with me. In the name of Jesus, I declare that there is no wall too great for my God. God has given me a divine destiny that the enemy cannot prevent. God has put people and resources in place to secure my victory. My steps are ordered by the Lord. And my path is secure. As a child of the king, I expect God to act on my behalf. I will be a blessing to others and declare the favor of God in all circumstances. Amen. When you sing this song, sing it unto him. Give him the victory and the glory and the praise. Acknowledge him in all things. Let's sing.